Hi there. Welcome to Divine Truth Sharing Podcast. This audio was originally recorded as a video, which you can watch on YouTube at Divine Truth Sharing. God bless. Hi there. Welcome to Divine Truth Sharing. I'm delighted you're here. Today's video is going to be fun and exciting. We're going to learn a little bit about the ways that Jesus was born like us and not like us. And we're also going to learn a little bit about his early life. Now, as always, I'm sharing information that comes through the pageant messages. And I talk about mediumship a little bit in some earlier videos, and it's very important you understand the source of this information. So if you haven't watched the earlier videos, one of them is called Consider the Source. Uh, another one is just a little clip from a larger video that talks about mediumship. I recommend you click on the Videos tab and scroll down toward the bottom and you'll find those. There's some of the earlier videos that I did. Um, but just briefly for context for this video, just so you know, there's a big difference between a divine love medium and a psychic medium. Most of us are familiar with psychic mediums. Some people are born with a special gift that they can actually perceive communication from spirits who have crossed over into the, onto the other side. So people who were formerly mortal um, and have died as uh, at least to the mortal body can still communicate through certain individuals. Most of those mediums, in fact, I would venture to say all of them are really picking up information from spirits who are dwelling in the earth plane. So they're very much like they were when they were on earth, which means they have a mixture of truth and falsehood, and they may or may not be telling the truth through these psychics, but even if they are telling the truth, their understanding of the truth is very limited. So a divine love medium is dramatically different. The biggest difference comes from the development of the soul within the divine love medium. So a divine love medium is a person who has prayed at the soul level directly to God and has received some of God's very essence, the divine love, into their soul and their souls have become developed to the point that they can receive much higher truths because they are in rapport or in alignment with or in harmony with spirits of a much greater spiritual development. So James Paget did become developed through praying to God as Jesus and the other celestials and his family members, his wife and his grandmother in particular, coached him to do, and so he became developed and his mediumship was excellent. So I just want you to understand where the source of this information I'm about to share with you is coming from because it's information you may not have heard before, or very likely haven't, unless you're already familiar with the pageant messages. So one of the things that we learned is that uh, Jesus was actually called Yeshua, and his family and friends called him Yeshu. Um, the S-H sound doesn't exist in Greek or Latin, and so that's how it got changed to Jesus. And he doesn't really mind what we call him, Jesus, Yeshu, Yeshua. 
um, or we have some other lovely names for him. But on the other side, the spirits call him Master. Um, he is the master of the kingdom of God. He's the master of divine love. He is fully Christed, fully born again, at one with God, his Father. He doesn't like to be called Lord because that's the name that he reserves for God. So that's just a, a little information there. So the closest person to Jesus when he was on earth was his friend John, one of the apostles. And John had the greatest amount of love in his soul when he was immortal, and so he had the closest understanding of what Jesus was trying to teach when he was on earth. And when he crossed into the world of spirit, he's continued to progress, just as Jesus has, for these 2,000 years. And he uh, remains Jesus' close, closest friend. So uh, we get some description of what Jesus actually looked like from John through the pageant messages. And the first thing that John mentions is that there was a great spiritual light that shone through the countenance of Jesus, and that none of the artists who have tried to depict Jesus have been able to capture this great spiritual light. And John tells us that it was particularly obvious when Jesus was associating with and or helping sinners and of course, as well as with his family and friends. So basically, any time he was sharing of himself or in company of others, he was shining with a great spiritual light, which made him very beautiful. That is a way in which he was quite different from us. Another way, and probably the single most critical way in my estimation that Jesus differed from us right from the start is that he was born without sin. We learn in the pageant messages that since the fall of the first two humans, a man and a man, whom we know as Adam and Eve, since their dis original disobedience and they did fall away from God and fell into sin, the sins of our forebears have been visited upon subsequent generations. It's not a punishment from God. It's just a natural consequence. What did they say? The apple doesn't fall far from the tree, right? So first of all, the babies in utero are imprinted with the mother's emotional state, um, whether she's anxious or calm and so forth, as well as the surrounding environment. We know that babies in utero can hear. Uh, so if there's music and laughter, they're going to develop uh, with a certain set of um, neurological connections. And if there's discourse and uh, maybe um, loud noises or angry shouts and things like that, when the baby's developing, they're going to have a slightly different uh, genetic codification that goes on. Um, so this is what it means. And then when you're born, you're born, of course, into the culture and the structure of the family and um, society into which you're born. So in those ways, all of us have received to a greater or lesser degree the sins of our forefathers, if you will. But Jesus didn't. His soul was born and he was born pure. All of our souls were created pure in the beginning and that's the part of us that is like God. And I'm actually going to create another video on that. Uh, what is the soul? So you might want to look out for that one. Um, but in any case, so he was born with a pure soul. 
In that way, he was different from us. In the way that he was like us, though, is Jesus was not born of the Holy Spirit. He was not supernaturally conceived. He was conceived by Mary and Joseph, a married couple, in precisely the same way that every other child of a human has ever been conceived from the beginning, from the first two. Mary was not a virgin, and Mary also did not ever receive a visit from an angel telling her that she was beloved of God and she was special and her baby was going to be special. None of that is true. Neither Mary nor Joseph had any reason to expect that their firstborn child would be any different from any other child. That did change shortly after birth, though, I will say. But we'll get to that in a moment. I also want to give you a little bit of a description of what Jesus actually looked like. We hear about this again from John, but we also hear about it from James Paget's grandmother, Anne Rollins. And I think it's kind of interesting to have both of their perspectives because they correlate and they're coming from 2,000 years apart, roughly speaking. Anne Rollins passed away sometime in the late 1800s. But she was very developed in her soul. Surprisingly so, she crossed into the third sphere. And by the time James Paget was taking dictation, she was in the celestial realm and was well acquainted with Jesus and knew what, exactly what he looked like. The first thing that's kind of surprising is that Jesus did not look like the average Jewish person, even of the time. His soul development and his particular qualities with which he was born made him unique even in his time. So he did not have the uh, swarthy, darker complexion, the brown eyes, the dark hair uh, that we might imagine. He actually had beautiful blue eyes. In fact, they were so deep blue, they were a violet color or almost even purple and his hair was a bit lighter. It tended toward the auburn. And John likes to tell us that he had a beautiful head of hair, that it was like it was alive. It was lively hair. It was a little bit curly. It was parted in the center and it came to his shoulders. Uh, also, John tells us that a razor never touched Jesus's face. So he was bearded, although he chose to wear it shorter than the styles of the time. So he didn't have a very long beard. Anne Rollins tells us that the color of his beard matched the color of his head, which she also said was auburn, and she described his eyes as uh, almost purple. Um, and the other thing they talked a lot about, which I thought was kind of funny, was his forehead. Uh, they said that it was not high and broad, as one might imagine from a very uh, well-developed brain, that it was a little narrower and uh, almost effeminate, they said, but they said he still was a, just a very masculine beauty. So I imagine that um, Jesus, to a large degree, embodied both the masculine and, to some degree, the feminine characteristics. Anne Rollins uh, describes him as, as having a bit of an artistic flair to his nose, and she said that the passion of an artist can actually still be seen in Jesus when he gets, I don't know, I guess uh, feels strongly about something. So that was all kind of interesting. We actually have some pictures and I'm going to insert them into the video. So I'm really excited to share those with you. 
and they came through again through another beautifully well-developed divine love medium who um, is also an artist and who had access to software similar to what criminal investigators use to change the shape of maybe a photograph they find that's close and then they tweak it a little bit here and there until they get a likeness. And we have some of their portraits, which I'm going to share some of them with you. In particular, going to share the picture of Joseph. And I thought it was kind of funny. Mary also came through and she wanted everyone to know Joseph was not some decrepit old man. She said he was young and virile and attractive. She had a, she had a cool husband. She wanted us to know. They ended up actually having eight children or possibly nine. They may have lost one. It was, it was again very common. There's a little bit of discrepancy between whether or not Jesus had four brothers or five brothers and whether or not he had two sisters or three sisters. So there may have been some younger mortality among Jesus's siblings, but we do know for sure he was the firstborn. He had brothers and sisters. The messages also tell us that all of his brothers became very involved in his ministry after his death. I think only James was involved, maybe Simon as well, during his life. But after his death, all of his brothers became involved, as did Joseph. And so we have um, some pictures I'm going to share Pictures of uh, Joseph, pictures of James. Many people said that James and Jesus looked so much alike, it was hard to tell them apart at times. And then there is a beautiful color portrait done by a different artist named Glenda Green, Uh, not part of the Divine Love community, but Jesus did visit her. She must have some divine love in her soul through her prayer practice, even though she's not familiar with these divine love teachings. And Jesus was able to actually materialize before her, and she painted him. And you can see, again, the coloring was exactly the same as it was described by John and by Anne Rollins. So a third um, sort of verification of that. I think that his hair was even a little bit more substantive than this artist portrayed. I also think... She either got his forehead a little bit wrong, um, which of course can happen, um, or it's possible that maybe Jesus's forehead has changed in 2,000 years because we do know that, uh, again, from the messages that our spirit bodies, our um, appearance changes along with our soul development. So he might look a little bit different today than he did 2,000 years ago. But if you look at the portraits that I'm going to insert into the video and you sort of blend Joseph and James's forehead with the color portrait of Jesus, and then there's also another beautiful color portrait of Mary with Jesus as a baby, which I think is very realistic, probably very close to spot on you'll see that Jesus really takes after his mother. And I think that in terms of coloring anyway, and I think that if you uh, look at her hair and you get his color and her hair, you kind of got the hair. So um, you just sort of have to kind of put all these together in your mind, but it's a much clearer picture of Jesus than we've ever had before. So I find it very exciting and I'm happy to share that with you. So again, Jesus was born to Mary and Joseph in the normal way, and neither one of them 
ever thought, certainly Joseph did not ever suspect that Jesus came from anyone but him. And if you look at the portraits, you will see that Jesus does take after a blend of his mother and his father. He has a little bit more of his father's features and his mother's coloring. So uh, typical, most of us are sort of a blend of both parents. Another way that Jesus is not like us is it is true that there was a very bright star in the sky when Jesus was born. I find that delightful. Whenever I see harmony of truth in the Bible, I'm always very excited. And many of the stories are closer to the truth than I realized, including, sadly, the story about Herod. So there were wise men, as we call them. They were astrologers. They saw the star in the sky. They did follow it. They did find Jesus, and sadly, by their coming, Herod was warned, and it's true that he did have slaughtered every infant male that he could find under the age of two. And so, within a few days of Jesus' birth, Joseph and Mary did flee to Egypt to save his life. That happened. And all of their other children were born in Egypt. They were in Egypt for about a decade. Another way that Jesus is like us, he was not born knowing that he was the Son of God. He liked to play with the other children. He, he knew his uh, cousin, John the Baptist, from childhood. They used to play together. So he played like other children. He learned his father's trade. Joseph was actually a builder, a master builder, not just a carpenter. So he did stonework and um, masonry and so forth. And he was actually quite skilled and very well respected and successful. And in fact, they were not poor. So while Jesus was born in a manger, um, he wasn't born in a manger because they didn't have enough money. He just simply was there because the there was no room in the inn, so to speak, because of the census. But when they fled to Egypt, it wasn't the frankincense and myrrh that paid their way. While they did receive those gifts, uh, Mary and Joseph have told Jesus that they didn't really amount to much. And it was really G uh, Joseph's own savings um, from his business that, that did uh, provide for the family. So Jesus was brought up in his father's trade and uh, as well as spiritual teachings. And he was subject to all the emotions and feelings that a sinless uh, human would have. So in other words, anything that was not of sin. So he wasn't subject to the lustful, out-of-harmony, carnal appetites that um, most people are. So he wasn't prone to excessive drinking and so on. So any of that did not plague him, and he was attracted to prayer. And he often went away by himself. His mother used to call it his mysticism, but he would go off into nature and spend hours alone with God. And I think Joseph put two and two together, and he did suspect that his son might be the Messiah. And as such, Joseph took it upon himself to instruct his son as best he possibly could in the religious teachings of the Jewish tradition. And that is the a religious upbringing or the spiritual upbringing or the knowledge with which Jesus was originally tutored. His mission did not become apparent to him 
until his soul was developed. And this happened because as he was taught by his father, and he did learn about God, he was tremendously attracted to this. His perfect, sinless, spiritual self was very attracted to God, our Father, to our Heavenly Father, just naturally. And so through this time of spending hours one-on-one communing with God in prayer, God is the one whose Holy Spirit developed Jesus's soul and also who gradually over time revealed the mission to Jesus until he came to an understanding that he was the Messiah. And when that happened, it was about the same time that his cousin John the Baptist, who was a gifted psychic, by the way, had a tremendously powerful vision about Jesus and about his Messiahship and about his mission. And so Jesus and John, the cousins and friends and former playmates, did team up, and they actually conferred to plan Jesus' mission. And it wasn't until Jesus was baptized by John that he was also anointed by God, the Heavenly Father, and fully Christed. So Jesus did not become the Christ until his anointing by God, which coincided with his baptism by John the Baptist. Very exciting. We learn another way that Jesus was like us uh, that might surprise you. He didn't get along that well with his father, and it was a big disappointment to both of them. And what happened there was that with Joseph having early on an inkling of his son's messiahship, Joseph also had a very strongly developed belief of what that messiahship should look like. And it was traditional Judaism. Well, When Jesus' soul was developed by God, his father, instead of his earthly father, it was a completely different mission. It didn't look anything like anything that had come to earth before. And Joseph was not really on board with it. In fact, he and Mary both were concerned for Jesus' mental health, as we would say today. I'm sure they had different words for it back then. But they were a little bit concerned about their son, and it wasn't until after Jesus' death that Joseph received, again, through his grief and the outpouring of his soul toward God, received more of God's divine love, and then his soul perceptions were developed, and he was able to see the truth of his son, was filled with tremendous remorse, and uh, really devoted the remainder of his mortal life to uh, furthering his son's mission. And I think he, he was tremendously grieved by the, the fact that um, he and his firstborn son really didn't see eye to eye. And, and frankly, once Jesus started his mission, they didn't spend a lot of time together because they were often disagreeing about that. So it's kind of nice to know. But how relatable is that? This is just yet one more way that our sweet, delightful brother Jesus is relatable to us today. And I think that's wonderful. Another way that we might be surprised that Jesus is like us, and this is different from what we learned in the Bible, Jesus is not omnipresent. He is a spirit just like we are, and he can only occupy one place at a time. 
Because of that, the verse in the Bible that says where two or three or two or more of you are gathered in his name, I will be there, is not precisely true the way it's presented. The person of Jesus of Nazareth will not be there. However, the Christ spirit alive today, just like it was 2,000 years ago, similar to the Holy Spirit, is omnipresent. And it's that aspect that will be with us in prayer. And of course, we know we don't even need two or three or more of us to gather together, that we can commune directly with God through his Holy Spirit. And eventually, like Jesus as he provided in his example, we too can become Christed. And that's actually the true meaning of the new birth or what it means to be born again. And Jesus of Nazareth, once he became Christed, was the perfect example of what it means to be born again. And that's what he came to teach and how he wants us to live and in the way in which he was the Savior, the way in which he was the Messiah, is to show us the way to become at one with God, just like he did. So as I said in previous videos, the crucifixion was never part of God's plan. God doesn't have a plan to kill. God is all about life. What is the single most important thing that we need to do to become like Jesus, to become at one with God, and that is pray. Pray to God. <laughs> pray to God directly from your soul, soul to God. Come with whatever you have. Come wherever you are. And remember, Jesus met us where we are. He's still working today on earth and in the spirit realm to help every soul come to God and he meets you where you are. So if you're in grief, if you're in sadness, if you're in resentment, if you're in anger, if you're in frustration, do not allow those negative feelings to keep you from God. In fact, the moment you feel those negative feelings, use them as a light bulb moment for you to run straight to God Run, do not walk. Um, John said, worry about nothing, pray about everything. And in the messages, James Paget is told over and over and over again, don't be despondent. The moment you feel anything pulling you down, run straight to God. And this will help protect you because we do attract like attracts like. It's one of God's both physical and spiritual laws, particularly spiritual um, so if you're feeling anything negative, don't let it keep you from God. Just bring it to God and lay it down and you will be amazed at how quickly a gentle, calm, sweet peace will come into your soul. And I'll leave you with this, just this one thing that I often say for myself. You know, I do have great faith in all of these teachings, and I know them to be true at the soul level, but I am not Christed. I am not perfect. I am not born, you know, perfectly born again. And so there are times when I have my doubts. In those moments, when I have my doubts, 
I always say to myself, if I don't know anything else, if I don't know the efficacy of any of these teachings, one thing I do know for sure, every time I pray, I receive comfort and guidance. And that is a fact. And in reality, in any given moment, if we're going to stay in the present, what would we ever really need more than comfort and guidance? Just the next step. Just the next breath. Keep praying. God loves you. So with that, I'll see you next time. And remember, you are deeply, truly loved. God bless.